AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news. Sports talk. Comedians or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. We went from normal life, healthy child, to acute lymphoblastic leukemia, or B-cell, ALL. The St. Jude team came up to get CJ via ambulance. Shortly after that, I noticed a rainbow. It meant that there was hope. We were driving into hope. To have hope is to have your child healthy, and we have that because of St. Jude. You can help kids fight childhood cancer. Please become a St. Jude Partner in Hope today by visiting musicgives.org. It's We Know's Parenting. I'm Peter McNerney. And I'm Beth Newell. We came back. We're back. We've we've been back. Can you believe it? We we didn't really leave. I mean, we did leave. We went to Thanksgiving. (laughs) To the Thanksgiving. (laughs) We went to the famous, the world famous Thanksgiving. This version was in, uh, outside of Boston, Massachusetts, where your parents live. We had a delightful time. Can I say, unrelated to that trip, that a lot of people this year are getting more on board with actually listening to Native people about cultural issues, and I people are starting to talk about how Thanksgiving is incredibly problematic and like as as a holiday. And I think, you know, it's one of those things. It feels like we just need to rebrand it a little bit and keep doing the big family meal and just <laughs> yes the the, the <laughs> like, messaging of it is is right on like it's but the it's, funny thing is all of our all of our holidays are actually just appropriated pagan holidays that we that christianity like tried to rebrand into different various lies and things well and, i think that's that's <laughs> not not just christianity's sin right 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 but um our country has done this with Thanksgiving where what used to be sort of like a giving thanks holiday in the fall where you would like reap the last harvest and then celebrate all the food and like, you know, prepare for the winter and like enjoy a meal with your loved ones. It then became this holiday where we're like, and that's when Native Americans forgave us for everything and they actually were like, we want you here on our land and <laughs> we want you to take all of our land. Well, yeah, that is the, that's the origin of 
Thanksgiving. I mean, obviously, the revisionist history of the perfect. Uh, we invited the uh, the Native Americans to this supper, which I just read a great article with like th- things that are uh, you believe about Thanksgiving that aren't true, and the only one I remember is uh, we didn't we the white people uh, the Pilgrims did not invite the Native Americans right. uh, well, to the meal. When you <laughs> they were across the brook having their own festival, and they merged. When you actually look at American history on a lot of these things, or just world history, it's like we're talking about events that were like genocide on some level, like you know, like rape and murder of people, removing children from their parents. Like the, these are like, but like in if we the if you read the history in our history books, it's like, um, so. We just kept expanding west into this beautiful land that was just sitting there waiting for well, us. Well, the victors, the victors write the history books. Right, right. I mean, the the pilgrims uh, had a had a you know where they were living. They had fields that were prepared and tilled because all they were prepared by Native Americans who were all dead because of uh, smallpox. Yeah. Um, anyway, fun start. Well, I think what is relevant about that to the podcast not aside from the education point is that um one thing i think people have been more sensitive to this year among other things culturally is that kids are being given these sort of like reenacting things in like plays or activities or headdresses like they're given these activities in schools that are just like I know in a lot of places I feel like this is just like some old white teacher who's been doing this thing for years and like they didn't get the memo like you know what I mean like they're still making uh Native American headdresses out of uh, yeah I think construction paper in a lot of cases it's like a very well-meaning white person who really needs to like read an article um, but it's just anyway. Um, I well, speaking of that, I went to pick up Bryn as after school um, program. I had a Thanksgiving party, and I forgot that it was happening. So I showed up, and he was just getting food. And so I was like, "Oh, you know what? I'm gonna go outside and you know make some phone calls so that he can enjoy his food." He didn't hadn't seen me yet. And as I walked out, I was I real I thought like, was he wearing? construction paper uh native american headdress oh yeah and i was like "Ooh, that's not cool anymore right <laughs> but then i went back an hour later and saw that it was uh turkey He's yeah a turkey hat but it had turkey feathers on a hat in a way that was like very reminiscent of you could tell whoever learned that learned it one way and then they go let's make it a turkey and it was an appropriate <laughs> shift yeah, but someone someone got very attached to the idea of putting like headbands on kids around fall. Like <laughs> yeah, it's it's moved in the right direction. But yeah, I mean <laughs> I mean Thanksgiving, the core of it is a time to be thankful and I think I'm behind that 100%. A time to get together with family. Like we celebrate Christmas. Well, personally, I don't do it for Jesus anymore. I just it's about family. <laughs> I just do it for the likes. I just do it for the Uh, tradition (laughs) and the rules. Um, I'm so excited for Christmas this year. Bryn, he's he's ready for the big Christmas. Can we talk about the advent calendar? Yeah, sure. I mean, 
the thing is, I have another Advent thing coming. Or, or is that what it's called? No, Ad- it's not calendar? called an Advent. It's just. What are you talking about? What are you talking about? Well, I was talking about the Advent calendar, but you said that you have another Advent thing coming. Yeah. Another Advent calendar? S- sort of, but it, it's like. Um, this is so mysterious. <laughs> what are you talking about? It's like this wooden advent calendar where you like put, it's like a Christmas tree with all these little circle holes. And then oh, you put, I love those. Yeah. I was trying to find something like, when I was a kid, I had this thing that I loved that I don't think anyone really makes something like it right now. Maybe they do. But it was like, it hung on the wall. It was made of cloth. And there was all these little pockets for each day of the month with a number on it. Yes. And then it, the you would move this little mouse from yes. pocket to pocket. I've seen that too. I love it. I loved that. I love all of these. These are the kind of holiday activities that are great. Like I think if you remember that so much of the joy of Christmas is like the lead up to Christmas, then I feel like you can kind of like tone down the consumerism and stress of like – gift by oh i i i love the build-up is everything yeah that's why i love christmas morning and we have a lot of traditions and things because it's all about just extending that moment of excitement um but bring up we got brendan at you got brendan advent calendar a simple uh one and you'd think that he'd be really into it because he loves the calendar and crossing off the days of the month he really didn't get it and well he does love it but he immediately opened all of the doors it was, and then lied about it. It was too tempting. You know, it's funny because they have ones like that that have candy in them, but I Ooh, don't... I used to get some of those. I know I could never trust him <laughs> with something like that. Well, that's a type of thing, though, that he couldn't possibly lie about because <laughs> uh, the candy would be... Well, he'd know. still try. You'd be surprised. Uh, so let's talk about... We took them to Thanksgiving. Uh, it was nice and easy um the drive there the drive back was not we had a lot of traffic actually i thought the drive back was more peaceful in a weird way even though it was eternal here's something i'm really (laughs) proud of it was eternal it was six and a half hours instead of three um so bryn had a major league meltdown in the parking lot when you guys went into that restaurant and I've been really trying to just ride the wave instead of trying to block the wave, mm-hmm. you know, cause I've, you know, I pride myself on putting my foot down and when I put my foot down, I don't back off, but I've been hitting the gas, hitting the brake too hard, too quick. Mm-hmm. And so I've just been trying to find that balance of if I say a thing, I mean it. But I'm toning down this sternness. Well, this is. And <laughs> in that parking lot, when he was having a major league freak out. Um, oh, my God. I didn't. So this was in reaction to Target. Okay. We got to go back. On the way there, we had to go to Target to buy him a jacket because he lost his jacket. So it's been a great trip. We go into the Target. And we get there and. We get to find the jacket section, and there's one coat that's for four to five years old. And so I go, oh, Bryn, look at this. And I put it on him, and it fits perfectly. And then I go, great. And then I look at the next size up, which is six, seven, 
And I go, let's try this on just in case, because it was a nice jacket and it might last. So he puts one arm in the new jacket and his fingers don't go to the end. So in my mind, I'm like, oh, well, this is probably too big. And then he takes it off and he goes, this is the one. I want this one. And I go, well, try it on so that I can see how big it is. Because I'm, I'm not going to buy this. It might be too big. And he then he refused. Uh, and I was like, oh, okay, well, just try it on. And then suddenly he got really aggressive quickly and he was really embarrassed and I didn't notice it. So suddenly I was pushing against somebody that was freaking out and I didn't notice yet. And so then I was like, okay, all right, fine. Let's get the other one. And then I tried to, I tried to get the other one and he started freaking out that we weren't buying the big one. So then I said, okay, we can get the big one if you try it on, but he wouldn't try it on. And the biggest public meltdown I've ever been a part of. And so I tried to just back away and I go, okay, I riled him up. I didn't realize it. And I stayed calm and I just sat there and I waited and I let him be alone. I let him calm down. I changed the subject. We just talked and all that. And then finally we had to go. So I was like, all right. And then I called, I was like, I started like threatening him. We got donuts. If you don't do this, you're not gonna get a donut. And I called you and I was like, are you gonna eat Bryn's donut? And this is when I blew it. And then finally, no, it wasn't working. Already, I finally, started. finally, just said we have to go. And so I grabbed the one that I knew that fit. I said, "Let's go." And I started walking away. And he exploded with rage and started running in front of me. And he threw himself down in front of me on the ground. And I just like stepped over him. And everyone was looking. And then we, I got into the self checkout line, and he started hitting me. And it was so crowded, and I was so embarrassed. And I was trying to make jokes to the people around me. And I, as I was checking out, he was grabbing the coat and pulling it away and screaming, goes, I don't want it. I don't want it. And I just put my head down and walked out of the store. And as soon as we got in the parking lot, I lost it. And we put him in the car and he wouldn't put his seatbelt on. So I slammed the door and then I get in the car and I drive to go pick you guys up at Dunkin' Donuts. And he starts kicking the back of my seat as hard as he can and he dumps out an entire box of animal crackers and I'm going five miles an hour in the parking lot and I hit the brakes really hard and he sort of stumbles and I scream. Oh my God. This and I was so enraged and I lost my mind. Okay. Can I talk? This is the longest story in the world. Um, I feel like we have this conversation every single time we have a car trip where I beg you not to lay down the discipline at the beginning of a three-hour car ride. The thing is, I didn't. No, because you, you, from the very beginning, you were like, I need you to put this coat on. Like, here's okay. how this That's would have played out for me. That's not how it started. You mm. said, I need you to try it on. Right. Anyway. And then you continued to lay down ultimatum after ultimatum as a result drawing lines in the sand for him to get upset about as a result can i say how i would have done this interaction i'm upset at how much you keep trying to describe a thing that you weren't there for but go ahead you just described it in great detail for five minutes straight i think i have a pretty good gist of what went down well the point of that setup was to talk about how i've reacted to him since then which I, I think appreciate has been, that, but has been <laughs> I've a very also told positive you this trip. at the start of every single trip we take. Um, here's how this would have played out for me. 
I'm a mom. I'm pl- pa- planning a trip. I'm packing. I'm trying to get the car snacks, all these things, trying to keep everyone in my family happy and calm because I have three miserable hours stuck with them in a car. I realize we need a coat. I go into Target. My son starts being difficult. I say, I distract. I say, hey, do you think if we're good, we could maybe get a pack of gum on the way out of here? Oh, you are so condescending. And then this is what I did. I leave Target. <laughs> oh, oh yeah. You just bail on the jacket. You know what? I should have no, bailed on the jacket. I would buy the jacket, but I would just distract him from his stubbornness. Uh well, you might have done it. You might have nailed it. We'll <laughs> never know. As a result, he had a freak out on the way back. And boy, I handled it great. And you know what? Tonight, I am, was incredibly overwhelmed today with a bunch of things. And I shut down at a certain point. And you very dramatically shut down. Yes. <laughs> it was really bad. And I literally just had to go lay down. Can so I that- say what happened? I came home. <laughs> I came early from work because it's like storming outside. And... I walk in the front door. The kids are directly in front of the door, blankets spread out. There's, like, toys all strewn all over the place. And, like, a lot of, like, weird messes, like, where they got into things that are not for kids. And they're, like, just, like, I'm, like, what were they doing? Why is this thing here? I'm, like, where's my husband? And then I go, and you're laying down in the dark in the bedroom, clearly overwhelmed by something. Uh, and so I closed you in there and and you cleaned up and I cleaned you, up you, the apartment. you don't know how much I appreciate <laughs> it because it was me trying to start unloading the dishwasher after making dinner that caused me to snap and I said I'm I gotta lay down but I tell you what I was so defeated by the day that I had no energy to be confrontational with my kids and I just let them sort of pass through me. See, that's me a lot of the time where I'm just like, I am so tired. I'm like, I need this Sunday to involve rest and just the, eat lunch meat, whatever you want. The thing with, that was great is that I had no, I had no frustrations with them. I had no anger towards them. I had just was going through a personal crisis and anything they were doing just remained completely calm and there was almost zero fighting all night wow and bedtime you know you saw them freaking out at bedtime i had to lay down the law and do ultimatums but i did it with zero attitude and zero aggression and it was easy and i didn't i was like i need to remember what this feels like (laughs) minus the defeated exhausted part and just be be liquid not a wall does that make sense yeah. I'm drinking vodka cranberry. <laughs> what am I? 19? That was that was a very specific college thing I got drunk on once that it, it's real gross to me now. What's yours? You made, you made a drink that you now think is gross. Um, it's something I drank excessively one night before I knew what that meant. And so now that vodka is ruined for me. The thing that I think is gross that I would drink when I was like underage, like 
or people around me would drink is like, um, oh my God, what's it called in the Big Lebowski with the Kahlua and milk? White Russian. White Russian. Um, we would drink those for some reason. And it was like you and I went through a white white Russian kick in two thousand. We did. It's like it just makes you feel gross after a while. Like you're like, why am I drinking all this like sugar and milk? Like you know, it's not. You're. It's like a milkshake. Like it's why it's so delicious. Uh, I mean, <coughs> I do. I stuff like that. I think is fine if you're at like a holiday party or something and you have like one drink. But like you just, it's not. Like it's not a something you should drink in, habit. in excess. <laughs> uh, this is my tenth white Russian. <laughs> so gross. But one is yummy. Yeah. Should we get back into white Russian? <laughs> what if that's where this goes? Oh god. Next week, you guys, when you hear this clinkity clankity, it's gonna be a white Russian. <laughs> We went from normal life, healthy child to acute lymphoblastic leukemia or B-cell, ALL. The St. Jude team came up to get CJ via ambulance. Shortly after that, I noticed a rainbow. It meant that there was hope. We were driving into hope. To have hope is to have your child healthy, and we have that because of St. Jude. You can help kids fight childhood cancer. Please become a St. Jude Partner in Hope today by visiting musicgives.org. This episode is brought to you by Navy Federal Credit Union. At Navy Federal, it's been the mission to help the military community for over 90 years. And not just help them, but do everything to make sure they not only grow, but flourish. That's why Navy Federal Credit Union has all kinds of great savings and investment options, like share certificates with sky-high rates. So don't hesitate. Start growing your finances today with a variety of savings and investment options. Navy Federal Credit Union. Our members are the mission. Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured. Not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value. Are you feeling overwhelmed by anxiety? Struggling to find restful sleep or plagued by a restless inability to focus? It's time to break free from the chains of mental health challenges and discover a path to healthy living. Welcome to Amen University, founded by renowned psychiatrist and brain health expert, Dr. Daniel Amen. Dr. Amen, alongside a team of esteemed doctors and experts in their fields, understands the struggles you're facing and are here to offer solutions. From debilitating anxiety to sleepless nights filled with worry, our courses are meticulously crafted to target these specific challenges head on. Join us on a journey of transformation led by Dr. Amen and a roster of top-tier professionals. Say goodbye to the constant battle with your mind and embrace a future filled with hope and possibility. Visit our website today to explore our courses and start your journey towards a brighter tomorrow. Use code BRAIN10 and get 10% off. That's code BRAIN10 and get 10% off your first purchase. Amen University, because your mental health matters. And now it's time for do you know what they're saying? This is where we talk about shit. I was going to say shits our kids say. This is where we're talking about shits our kids say. We used to have one that was like, do you, we knows why they're saying the darndest thing. <laughs> do you remember? Um, yeah, because every okay. time we intro it, it's a different title. Uh, yeah, we can't remember anything. Um, so tonight I was pulling out Bryn's school photos because I was going to cut some up for to give out to people. And um, 
the class photo f- was out and Bryn saw it and he was like, <laughs> and, I mean, first of all, he got mad at me because he was like, he was like, I was talking about how we were going to give some of the photos to his grandparents and he was like, we can't give them this one because it's like all of his friends. And he's like, this is my, and I'm like, no, it's okay. We're not going to give them that one. And then he was like holding the photo over by himself and looking at the kids. And he (laughs) was looking at this girl, Reagan, and he was like whispering to himself and he goes, don't forget about me, Reagan. (laughs) And, (laughs) And I don't know. Oh I don't know God. if he saw that on like an X Men cartoon or something. Like, don't forget about it. It just feels like he saw someone like wistfully staring at like a photo. Like, where did he come up with that? Because he left the room. He was like, I was like, what are you saying? And he's like, what? Nothing. And then he left the room. And as he was walking away, he did it again. He was like, don't forget about me, Rick. <laughs> Listen, I don't want to project anything onto my onto my children. Um, but but he loves like her. <laughs> He's had inklings if he talks about how cool she is. Yeah. Um, I mean, he t- he likes a lot of kids in his class. Yeah, so it's... It's, it's hard to tell because he was talking about having girlfriends, but then it became clear that he just thought girls you're friends with are called girlfriends. Yeah. Um. So he doesn't... Idiot. <laughs> he does love, like, romantic love stuff, though. Oh, so we watched um, Home Alone <laughs> in, yeah. on, during Thanksgiving break. And it's the first time I think he's Should we sat- transition this into we knows what they're watching. Yeah, <laughs> uh, we already did. Okay. And he, I think it's the first time he sat through an entire live action movie, maybe. That might not be true. It feels like the first time our kids have watched like a classic live action kids movie. Like it's a I'm sure they've seen other things, but it's a pretty rare that they sit still and like are like watching the whole movie. They watch the whole thing. They loved it. I love he keeps going, remember when Kevin put the soap on his face and said, ah! <laughs> I'm trying to keep explaining what aftershave is and I realize it's pointless. But they love it. They love the violence, the slapstick Sort of, comedy. actually. But Maven, sometimes she, the um, robbers will come on and she goes, I don't like the bad guys. She got scared. She got a little scared during parts of it and she left the room during Home Alone 2. But Home, Home Alone 1, which is an excellent movie, there's some rough language in there for a five-year-old. They use it's the word, very violent. They use the word ass more than once. In Home Alone 2, they, they literally show a clip from a black and white film where a woman is shot to death on screen. Like, it's... They do that in one, but it's a... I know. Snakes. Both times. It's very violent. Keep the change, you <laughs> filthy animal. I love one. There's all the... So I wish Home they Alone could, like, replace those scenes. Like, they should do an edit that's just like... No, no, no. <laughs> don't touch a thing. So that it's house, so violent. My there's also one scene where I was tempted to cover Maven's eyes, which is like because I hate watching people get hurt. Me he covered eyes when he steps on the nail. When he steps on the nail, it's so gross. Me that and, didn't disturb me until I was older. Yeah, probably. But me, I think Maven and I are sensitive to watching people get hurt. <laughs> well, it seemed like mo- overall she loved it. People falling down, hitting I the think head. when the falls are really comical and it's like slipping, like that's funny. Like that's funny for most people. It's when it looks like 
Like when you're seeing an iron get dropped on someone's face and like their burned skin, that's when I'm like, eh. that was Maven's favorite part. I don't. <laughs> she described it in a weird way. She didn't know what it was, but she thought it was really. Well, funny. there yeah, there's parts of it where they don't understand what's happening, but as you get older, it's disturbing. Uh, <laughs> what is it? What does Buzz say? I wouldn't. I wouldn't let you sleep in my room if you were growing on my ass. The tension between Kevin and his family is so well done. When she takes, when Catherine O'Hara takes Macaulay Culkin up upstairs, and he goes uh, up to the attic. You really feel her like making some not necessarily empathetic choices, but you feel her exhaustion as a mom who's trying to pack like a bajillion kids for yeah. a trip. Well. <laughs> when he says, I hope I never see any of you ever again. And she goes, I hope you don't mean that. I do. Like, <laughs> I teared up. Yeah. What When you become a parent, <laughs> suddenly you have to rewatch every movie you've ever watched. <laughs> and now there's a whole new layer where you're like, oh, now I get it. I got teary during that fight scene and him saying that he wished they'd all disappeared. You'd be pretty sad if you woke up tomorrow morning and you had no family. No, I wouldn't. Well, maybe oh, this is another funny And example. at the end, but at the end, when she comes home, it's very emotional. And Bryn cried when he hugged his mom and she was back. And I wanted to hug him and cry too. He was so sensitive. I do think it's like a really primal thing to make kids movies about like not having a mom around. Like it's so, oh, yeah. like kids are like, yeah. That's the worst. Um, I just started reading, reading James and the Giant Peach tonight. And the first two chapters are harsh. Like Aunt, Aunt Spiker and Aunt Sponge are terrible and they just make him cry. In the end of the second chapter, he runs off and just sobs into his hands oh, and no. bursts into tears. Well, so Bryn had another, do you know, we knows what they're saying moment oh, <laughs> after yeah. the movie where... I was like, so Bryn, what was your favorite part? And he was like, remember when they left him alone? <laughs> it was like, he's just so casual about it. He's like, do you remember the part where they left him alone? Yeah, his favorite part uh, was the full premise uh, of the movie. The whole thing. My favorite part is when point. he was home alone. He has a good point, though. Like, that's sort of the crux. Like, that's really what's driving the movie. I mean, that is the hook. <laughs> so I grew up in the same town as where that movie was filmed. I know. Well, it's it feels like a very weird setup for going there for Christmas because I was like, there's multiple airport scenes in O'Hare, and I was like, we're going to be there. Yeah. We're going to be at this airport. And they go to their house. We're going to be four blocks from that house. I just gave you a hint as to where you can find us. Um, oh, my God. <laughs> The poor people that own that house now, they had to put up a big fence because now that the internet has happened, there's fucking weirdo idiots like sneaking into their backyard. They have all these signs up. that's like no trespassing because clearly people go around the back of their house and take pictures and shit. And it's like, oh, don't, yeah. don't do that. Don't do that, people. <laughs> don't go into other people's yards. Never. Although... <laughs> Has there ever been a movie where a house was a more central character? Like, I know every room in that house because the storytelling I mean, is so Panic wonderful. Room. 
I don't remember what panic room. Cabin on the hill. I don't remember the <laughs> physical space. Cabin on the hill. <laughs> Pork chop bay. Uh, what's the one? Inferno. Towering Inferno. I mean, you're naming <laughs> movies where buildings are locations. But what movies have buildings in which you could describe the relationship of all the rooms or you can visually picture how everything connects? I don't think you can visually picture how everything connects. In the Home Alone? No. A hundred percent. Every room? I could draw you a picture. No, you couldn't. Yeah. I'm... If it wasn't so late, I would <laughs> I would demand that we pause and I would draw a picture and then we Google it and compare. Well, because you lived in a town where this house was. You've seen it from all angles. Well, I've not been inside it. Oh, my God. There are plenty of movies where people are iconically familiar with this set and location. <laughs> I'm not saying there aren't other movies. Downton Abbey. I couldn't tell you how that thing's put together. Because you didn't watch the show closely, not as closely as you've watched Home Alone. It's true. I've seen Home Alone 1,900 times. Best Christmas movie. <laughs> I'm gonna go Just think one. about movies before you make grand sweeping statements. I'm thinking about all the other ones. All the other ones? You're thinking about all the other ones. The Millennium Falcon? <laughs> I don't even know that as well. Nope. Hogwarts. Don't know how it's connected. Well, that's partly because they changed the locations. It's true. Between movies. Alfonso Cuaron. Don't get me started. But could (laughs) could you say where the Shire is in location in relation to... Um... Bag End? A Bag End is in the Shire. Yeah, come on. I meant the town of Bree. It's the next stop. Then well, Rivendale. Then we've got those forest elves. And then we got to go down that river. Ugh. Then we got to okay. go over that waterfall. I... La Florian Gondor. Um, boy, Anyways, I, yeah. this is Movie Crush with <laughs> Chuck <laughs> Bryan. <laughs> um, Chuck Bryan, we need to plug at least once every podcast. <laughs> it's true. Oh, yeah. So Chuck texted me because um, we mentioned him, but he also wanted to say that I said something that I didn't realize I said, which is I meant to say, and even as he was texting me, I was, didn't understand what he was talking about, why it was so funny. But I meant to say uh, all presses, any press is good press, all press is good press. But I said all news is good news. <laughs> and that doesn't make sense. Yeah, well, we get tired when we're recording this podcast. But you know, all, all news is good news. Okay. In my book. <laughs> oh boy, this is empty. How's that white Russian? <laughs> it's, hey man, the dude abides. We went from normal life, healthy child to acute lymphoblastic leukemia or B-cell ALL. The St. Jude team came up to get CJ via ambulance. Shortly after that, I noticed a rainbow. It meant that there was hope. We were driving into hope. 
To have hope is to have your child healthy, and we have that because of St. Jude. You can help kids fight childhood cancer. Please become a St. Jude Partner in Hope today by visiting musicgives.org. This episode is brought to you by Navy Federal Credit Union. At Navy Federal, it's been the mission to help the military community for over 90 years. And not just help them, but do everything to make sure they not only grow, but flourish. That's why Navy Federal Credit Union has all kinds of great savings and investment options, like share certificates with sky-high rates. So don't hesitate. Start growing your finances today with a variety of savings and investment options. Navy Federal Credit Union. Our members are the mission. Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured. Not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value. Are you feeling overwhelmed by anxiety? Struggling to find restful sleep or plagued by a restless inability to focus? It's time to break free from the chains of mental health challenges and discover a path to healthy living. Welcome to Amen University, founded by renowned psychiatrist and brain health expert, Dr. Daniel Amen. Dr. Amen, alongside a team of esteemed doctors and experts in their fields, understands the struggles you're facing and are here to offer solutions. From debilitating anxiety to sleepless nights filled with worry, our courses are meticulously crafted to target these specific challenges head on. Join us on a journey of transformation led by Dr. Amen and a roster of top-tier professionals. Say goodbye to the constant battle with your mind and embrace a future filled with hope and possibility. Visit our website today to explore our courses and start your journey towards a brighter tomorrow. Use code BRAIN10 and get 10% off. That's code BRAIN10 and get 10% off your first purchase. Amen University, because your mental health matters. And now it's time for Did You Knows? This is where we share some stuff that we read or learned recently. Beth, you got one. Take it away. Okay. So uh, this is an article from the New York Times by Jessica Gross. It's called Early Motherhood Has Always Been Miserable. Um, And then they quote (laughs) this thing that says, I declare if I thought I was to be thus occupied for the rest of my life, one new mom wrote in 1828, I would lie down and die. (laughs) Um, And so the article sort of like goes on to explain that like traditionally middle ages and earlier people, uh, people considered babies to be basically hell beasts and they acknowledged how exhausting they are. Um, And then around the Victorian age and, and afterwards they started creating sort of this, idealized version of motherhood to sort of like keep these as as society industrialized and middle class white women were no longer being put to work all the time they had to shift their focus to exclusively child rearing and um so they created this sort of like fiction of how mothers are so constantly loving being around their children their precious beautiful children and it's so easy <laughs> and it's it just comes so naturally to us and we love it i like this article set it up set it up that in juxtaposition of not in juxtaposition in uh mirroring today's sort of the, the idealized instagram version of motherhood look at my perfect family I lay my baby out and see the, here's the three month picture and they've got an elaborate, you know, all that stuff. If you do that, that's fine. That's great. But, and then also the, you know, the comedians and writers of the parenting is hell 
down in the down in the muck. Um, and this article does a really interesting job of painting a picture of around this time you're describing is that's always been true, just in a different media format. Yeah. Well, and it's interesting because I think when it's it's one of those weird paradoxes where when women were sort of uh, doing more like exclusively child rearing and like maintaining the household and stuff, they it almost feels like in some ways they got <laughs> more respect for it. And then as we started like making up like these various um, standards for women to live up to where so- we sort of just like devalue them all and like uh, don't give credit for the effort that goes into them. <laughs> That's interesting. Uh, I don't know. It's just very. So how do you feel? Let's talk about how do you feel about uh, how 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 do you present yourself as a mother to the world? Well, I mean, I mean obviously today I'm doing this podcast and I wrote a book <laughs> about pregnancy called There's No Manual. You can pre-order now out February 4th. Um, but I, when I first became pregnant, I feel like in the... I think this is a general thing, but especially like in, in New York thing, I kind of felt like everyone was like, wow, what a lame choice you've made. Why would you want to have children? I guess you're someone who just loves children and is boring and bad. Do you, like that's sort of the vibe I got from people that I feel like men don't get that reaction. Like I had moments where I'd like be getting drink, like drinks like in sort of like a networky type comedy setting and like some guy would be like talking to me like very interested and then like <laughs> I would say something about being pregnant when I guess I was not like visibly pregnant and like their reactions on people's faces and like how their uh, regard for me just fell so swiftly uh, and like it was just like but but it's like such a weird thing because it's like I thought you were a sex object and now you're a mom like it's just like this weird like or, or did you also feel like maybe you got some of the like, oh, maybe now you're fragile and I don't know. I, it's a lot of things, but it's just like, I don't think people, we live in a society that devalues women. Therefore, women doing some of the most valuable and intrinsically female behavior of procreating are are essentially devalued the most. Because if we've valued what is being done by women in terms of bearing and raising children, we would have to acknowledge that all of society needs to be restructured around this like incredibly hard, crazy thing that people are <laughs> like, it's just like, it's, um, I don't know. It's very, it's like, it's just so weird to yeah. live in a world where when you look around at your mom friends and you're like, wow, these people are raising kids or holding down jobs. They're helping their husband with his various health issues. They're like, they're just like these, like it's some of the most capable people I know. And it's not just at home, but like in their jobs and their whatever. And then to know that they're being treated like they're lesser than when in way in situations when they're actually more capable is very frustrating. Cause it's like, we devalue, any kind of emotional labor, anything that requires intuition, anything that requires like sensitivity, we're like, oh, that's just dumb bad work. Like, <laughs> you know, like 
Yeah, I also feel, I think you were right, you, you mentioned this, but, you know, in our social circle at the time, did we really have any close friends with babies? And so on, on top of that, our very specific scenarios, people were like, I don't, I don't know, it's not a real thing until we did it. And they, right. they especially well, didn't know how to. I also think when you live in a world that like operates all around all of these different structures and schools and daycares and whatever, like it's, I think it's very hard for a lot of people to not like when you experience a life change like this, like you get married or something, like suddenly you're part of like the marriage industrial complex. If you're not thoughtful or like, or if you're, you like don't even notice necessarily that you're aware of all these pressures on you to behave a certain way as you're experiencing this thing that like mm-hmm. are not necessary. <laughs> like, <laughs> and you know what? I'm just gonna, as usual, just sort of swing this into an endorsement for Elizabeth Warren. But what I love about her candidacy so much is that she really understands the struggles real people are facing, real women real moms, women trying to have jobs so they can both support their children and be there for their children. Like, I just, I, like, when she, she had this really beautiful moment on the campaign trail this week where this young girl who's nearly in tears was asking her what she's done when someone she loved didn't, like, respect her thought decision or thoughts about something. I I don't remember the question exactly, but it was like, have you ever been in a position where someone you really cared about, like, did not support you. And Elizabeth Warren starts like also kind of like tearing up and talking about her mom. Her mom had raised her to believe that she needed to marry well and that that was the goal. And I'm sure that was not an uncommon thing for a mother of Elizabeth Warren's mother's generation to try to steer their daughter towards because logistically she wants her daughter to have a good life. And she comes from a generation where women didn't work. And Elizabeth Warren, when she was divorcing her first husband and the marriage wasn't working out, her mom was really disappointed in her to not make it work. And she's like, I just couldn't make it work. And, like, that's what I love about her candidacy is she understands, like, real life. Like, she will weave stories like this and stories about her dad having a heart attack and her mom having to go to work for the first time. Like, she'll she understands the things that real people are going through and the ways that these structures that we have set up in our society are not allowing people to live healthy, happy lives. There was some, uh, some stories this weekend of those, uh, those same, uh, generational expectations that seem so, crazy to hear now that like oh you mean like from my mom whose father wanted her to get married and not (laughs) he was like you'll just get a man to take care of you you don't need to go to nursing school yeah and it's and it's that was not that long ago where well it's funny because it's not just like offensive and like you know limiting but it's also just bad life advice like my my mom is always like in retrospect, if I hadn't had a job, I don't know how we would have survived. Like she needed a job. Like, yeah, it's just it's. But like he, he didn't have any other reference. Uh, I'm sure at the I I can't relate to um, growing up in in a place and time where like yeah that 
there you didn't see other options and so it's like oh yeah that's that's how people do it yeah. right but it's detached from reality and it's detached from women's reality and it's detached from like the like observing the women around you and what they're experiencing because like my grandfather said that to my mom his his dad died of tuberculosis when he was like a baby like he didn't like his mom obviously was supporting him he grew up poor he had jobs like after school jobs from a very young age Mm -hmm. to like support the family like he it shouldn't be a mystery to him that like work is not a thing to like deny yourself like i'm sure his mom was working yeah um it's just well we uphold these ideas of like especially with white women this like form of white womanhood that is like the purest best way of being and it's like it's narrow and limiting but also too many boxes to check at the same time like it's it's an impossible standard well, I think we could all agree <laughs> that uh, we're glad your mom went to nursing school. We're very glad. Um, and uh, would I have? Would I know you if she hadn't? Um, I don't know. Maybe who knows? I mean, so thank you, <laughs> Beth's mom, for not listening to that advice. And thanks for. The heart surgery that my mom had at a very young age that inspired her to be a nurse. Oh, yeah. And thank you. Your mom, the best mom, we had one of the, as I understand it, one of the <laughs> very early first open heart surgeries. Yeah. Before it was a common thing. It was like, yeah, it was very, one of, they were, it was very new for them to be doing open heart surgeries specifically on children, I believe, but probably yeah. everyone. And they, it was one of those things where they're like, we don't know if it's going to work. So then when it did work, they would like parade her around. They were like, like hey, they, look at that. They would literally throw parades. Like they'd have like a Miss Heart Fund thing and like have these like little girls who had heart surgery. <laughs> they like. March, march, you little dance, heart girls. Dance around and prove to people that healthcare is a worthy thing. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, but, I'm glad that worked out. I'm glad she's alive and that I was able to be an alive person. I'm glad that you were able to be an alive person (laughs) because this podcast would be real awkward if you weren't one. (laughs) Welcome back to Peter and uh, Make Believe Corpse, an awkward uh, show that nobody likes and makes everyone uncomfortable because um, I'm going to stop explaining this. (laughs) Um, Anyway, babies are... (laughs) Actually terrible. Get the record straight. It's For the impossible record, to live with a baby. They are and my favorite quote in this article is the in the Middle Ages they refer to them as, as you said, hell beasts. I'm like, yeah, you know, sometimes our kids are little hell beasts. Yeah. In a target, in a house. Well, I think also back then they were like, Well, that woman probably have like ten babies. We don't need to value this one specifically. We'll start valuing it when it lives past two. I mean, uh, half of these aren't gonna make it. Yeah. They were like Let's not invest too much in oh this boy. little That's what health spawn. The agricultural revolution, once everyone sat down and started farming, they could produce so much food that you could have a bunch of babies, but way more of them died because we were all unhealthy. Can I tell you one of the funniest things one of my midwives said to me after, I think, while I was pregnant or afterwards, after I had the baby, I one can't of remember. Mid- oh, one of the midwives, who is this really no-nonsense woman who... I kind of love, but she's like, can be very curt. 
Um, <laughs> she was talking to me about breastfeeding and talking about like trying to get like a not painful latch because, you know, no one wants a painful latch. You got to force these kids to learn how to do it where it's not killing you. But she was saying she would be like, if you were like living in like cave times or something and this baby is like gnawing your nipple off, you just leave him under a bush. <laughs> like she was just like, <laughs> you wouldn't put up with that. Like she's like, and it's really funny to hear that. Cause you're just like, Oh yeah. Like if this is, if I was just going on primal instincts and I was like, this thing came out of me, it's sucking the life out of me and it's incredibly painful and I'm tired and sore. And I just want to like, not like, you can see how in certain situations of like desperation, like it makes sense why like women literally experience psychosis. And they throw the baby under bush, but that's why that cry, that cry gets you back. <laughs> you you run out of the cave and you're like, I'm through with that. Then you hear, yeah, but and you, you're like, oh no, other emotions. But you have to bond with the baby first, and that doesn't always happen. There's a lot of conflicting There's, reward systems in your brain. You don't. You it's don't so know. hard. Being and a that's human. why, if you're a postpartum woman in the modern world, if you're experiencing difficulties, you should seek help from a mental health professional because it's very common to feel horrible. Ask for help. Okay. Have we talked enough about the hell beasts? Yeah, dude. This has been another episode of We Knows Parenting. We love you. Um, but also, if you want to reach out, ask a, a question, send us some advice, share something cool, uh, send us an email at weknowspod at gmail.com or call our voicemail number at... That was a big setup for Beth. 347-384-7396. Write us a review. Uh, leave us a rating wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe. Subscribe. And my babies. We'll see you next time. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my! Look at that! He is! And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win! Unbelievable! When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. We went from normal life, healthy child to acute lymphoblastic leukemia or B-cell, ALL. The St. Jude team came up to get CJ via ambulance. Shortly after that, I noticed a rainbow. It meant that there was hope. We were driving into hope. To have hope is to have your child healthy. And we have that because of St. Jude. You can help kids fight childhood cancer. Please become a St. Jude Partner in Hope today by visiting musicgives.org.